This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. We're continuing our series of interviews with people who are experts in areas that are crucial to healthy churches of any size. That's right. We decided we wanted to invite some more people into some of the conversations we've been having. Our guest today is a good friend of yours, um, Jimmy, someone I hear you point people to often, Micah Fries from Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So tell our listeners why you wanted to introduce them to Micah. I think Micah is such a clear thinker. I think that uh, he's an excellent preacher, an excellent practitioner, an excellent leader. But what I really love in engaging with Micah is he is thinking clearly about the issues that are driving the decisions that he's making. And to me, knowing the why then drives the what. And so that's why I like to talk to Micah, because he's constantly asking the question, what is the why? Or he's trying to explain to me what the why is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's uh, really, really good. That's good. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about why he chose a live preaching model. They do do some video, but they chose live preaching like we did. They're doing a similar model to ours, a neighborhood church. So let's go to that interview now. So, Micah, I really appreciate you being with us today. Why don't we start off by letting you talk a little bit about your family, uh, your background in ministry, and your church there in Chattanooga? Yeah, no, that's awesome, Jimmy. So, my family is one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm married to Tracy. Um, we're just a couple months away from having been married 19 years. And we met in college. We were really super young when we got married. She was 20. I was 21. And uh, after we got married, we were I was serving in college, you know, small bivocational church where I was a youth pastor. And we served overseas as church planters in West Africa in a crazy far out location with no electricity or running water. It is not church planning like we see in the U.S. We were just pumped when people showed up at church with clothes on. And so our, our issues were a little bit differently than what we, you know, different than what we deal with now. And then we came to the U.S. I did you should come to West Palm. We have that concern as well. Exactly. Well, I don't have to deal with that so much in Chattanooga, especially during the winter. They generally are clothed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we came back from Africa. We went to Kansas City. I did seminary in Kansas City and I pastored two churches in the Kansas City area for about 10 years. My wife's from that area. And so it was fun to kind of live near her family and then went to work for Lifeway for a few years at Lifeway Research and then have been at Brainerd now for two and a half years. And uh, Brainerd is a kind of a regional church. Robbie Gallaty was the pastor before me. Church saw explosive growth under Robbie and the uh, Lord was really good to us. And so now we're kind of multi-campus, multi-venue church. I forgot to mention is the rest of my family though. So yeah. I've got three kids. Uh, love my kids. My oldest daughter is Grace. She's 15. Youngest daughter is Kesed and she's 13. And then I've got a son we adopted from South Africa, uh, actually from the kingdom of Lesotho two years ago, Haddon, and he will be 12 next week. And so so, yeah, I mean, we just, we love living in, we're kind of in the mountains of Tennessee. We're right on the edge of the mountains, so I, from my living room, I look out across the mountains. It's a beautiful area, and the church here is a 90-year-old church. It's interesting because our auditorium is identical to yours at Family Church. Yeah, that's right. The same a wedding cake yeah, look. Same, I mean, it looks identical. And uh, we've been around for 90 years, but one of the unique things about our church is about 75-plus percent of our congregation has been here about eight years or less. And so I tell people we're a 90-year-old church plant, which gives us mm. some really unique characteristics, you know. 
Hey, Micah, tell me now your church, Brainerd, so you have a, a sanctuary that's been there for a long time, I assume, and it's, it is like a wedding cake. It's a traditional, it's as Southern and Baptisty as it could get. But then you have another venue right there on your campus. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the BX venue was built two pastors ago. We call it the BX, which stands for Brainerd Crossroads. It's the thing our church is known for more than anything else. It's a, a full-service gym, so we've got about 3,000 members at the gym who come and work out every day. And I think uh, something like 2,000 of those are not part of our church. They're just community members who wanted a gym to join. And we have funny hours because of you know church services on the weekend. And so if you can deal with funny hours, we're the cheapest rates in the city for any gym. So we have a lot of members who use the gym. And then we also have some conference center space in the facility. And so the local police department trains there. Amazon and Google have offices in our area. They train there. I mean, it's just in use all the time. That building is used seven days a week. And then we have worship services in there as well. We do three worship services on Sunday in that venue. And then we do one worship service in our sanctuary. And they're very different. They're radically different services, uh, different I mean, really different worship style, the whole nine yards, though my sermon is the same in both places. And around 65% of our church now attends church in the more modern venue. About 30, 25 to 30% of our church attends in the sanctuary venue, and then 10% or so is off campus and, you know, other campuses, which right now we've got two smaller campuses. All right, so talk to me. So you guys do multiple worship styles on your, let's just talk about the original campus right now. You do multiple worship styles on the same piece of property. I assume that means like uh, the music is different, The maybe the way you dress is different. What? Tell me how that works. All of the above. So we do um, four services on the main campus on Sunday morning. We do an 8.30 service in our modern venue. We do a 10 o'clock service in both venues. And then we do an 11.30 service back in the modern venue. So we have three services back to back to back in the modern venue and one service in the sanctuary. I preach the modern venue in jeans and a shirt, you know, and then I change clothes and I'm in a full suit and tie, cufflinks, bow tie, the whole nine yards in the sanctuary. And then I change back. And then our middle uh, gym, our, our middle modern service is a video. They replay my earlier sermon from the 830 service. And so it is different in terms of dress. It is different in terms of music. Our modern venue is guitar and drum driven and it's very modern i mean think passion think elevation worship that sort of thing and then our sanctuary venue is uh, i wouldn't call it traditional i'd call it choir and orchestra led because we do a lot of the same songs but they're done very differently and so it's you know we've got a 40 piece orchestra and a 60 piece choir you know 60 voice choir and that sort of thing in that venue all right so you do both video and live preaching on the same piece of property every sunday Talk to me about how that's received. Talk to me about kind of how you value live preaching versus video. You know, just kind of some pros and cons. So our conviction is to do live preaching every possible opportunity we can. And so when we have, we have two other campuses, they're both uh, live preaching. One is done in Spanish and one is done in English. And we do live preaching in all of our services on the Chattanooga campus with the exception of the one video service. And really, we do video because we don't have another option. We did, for a little while, use a preaching team with multiple preachers. Our folks did not respond to that super well. And so they actually preferred the video. And so we use video there just mostly because it works and it's effective and I can't be in two places at the same time. And so we do video in the one service. Our preference would be long-term to do live preaching in every space. And so that's why all of our campuses, we're in the process of launching our next campus. It'll also be live preaching. All of our campuses are live preaching and we're trying to limit video as much as we can. We don't don't think video is bad. We just think live preaching is best if possible. And so we're doing both and we do the video out of convenience and, and because it seems to help us Yeah, because it works. Another thing about our facility, we're really landlocked, and so we don't have a big worship space. 
our, our sanctuary holds 850 and our modern venue holds 615. And so, you know, we have to run multiple services, and so we have to get creative about it. So, Micah, what's the inside of that? Like, how do you make that work across your campuses and with your, your campus pastors and your worship teams? Do you all collaborate? On the planning part of it? So family church is our guru. Like we, I mean, we do look to you guys a lot. But I didn't know that. Yeah. That, wow. So we do, when it comes to the music, we are very similar to what family church does. We have a pool of songs to choose from. We have a primary worship leader who oversees all the worship leaders. He dictates about 60% of the songs that are done across all of our campuses. And then the other 30 or 40%, each campus pastor has the flexibility and freedom to choose what they want. And then as far as preaching, we do preaching in collaboration, uh, sermon prep in collaboration. And so that includes both all of our languages that were, are spoken in the preaching. Uh, we, we're all in it together. And so our sermon prep is multilingual, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational. And uh, what we do is we plan out our sermons. Usually in August of the previous year, we plan them out a year in advance. And then we have one of our staff members who is a campus pastor and is also what we call our preaching pastor who oversees the preaching ministry of the church. And he helps get the legwork done for our sermon prep each week. And then we come in on a Monday and we spend an hour and a half together as a group. And we try and come out of that meeting with two things. What's the main point of the text? And so that's basically the one point of the sermon. And what's our sermon outline? How are we going to prove that point? And so when we walk out with that, we put that in a Google Doc. Everybody who is a preacher has, has access to that Google Doc. And we're all jumping in and out of it over the next two to three days adding content. I get the final say since I'm the senior pastor. By Thursday night, it's completely done. And I've, I've said, yes, this is how the sermon outline is going to look. We use an expanded outline, and then each one of those campus pastors can take that outline. They can tweak it with local illustrations, or if there's applications that they could do in their venue that's a little bit better than a different venue, they're allowed to do that. So they have flexibility to change it. The primary content of the message, the the outline, the main point of the sermon is identical among all the campuses and venues. All right, so talk to me about your other campuses. So I know you have the two venues on your original campus. You have your sanctuary, your uh, traditional one, plus your plus the BX, where there you have three services, two live and one by video. Sure. What else do you have going on? We have what we call our East Ridge campus, which is uh, Brainerd Espanol, and so it's a Spanish-speaking campus. There's probably going to come a day when we also put an Anglo-English-speaking campus or service in that venue, but right now it's exclusively a Spanish-speaking campus. And then we have what we call Brainerd North Georgia, which was our, our newest campus that we launched in August of this past year, and it's just across the state line. Chattanooga sits right at the intersection of Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. And so we had about 30% of our people who were coming across the state line from Georgia. I actually live in Georgia. And so we put a campus over there and uh, we're running about 235 since we launched it in August. Our goal for our campuses, we're a little different than a lot of churches. We're not trying to grow massive campuses. We think 300 is probably a really sweet spot if we can be around 300 for our campuses. We'd like for them to be there. If they get bigger, that's awesome. But we'd love for them to long term be around 300. And uh, so we have a campus pastor there and then we're in process of planting a downtown campus. We've been really effective at reaching a lot of college students, and they come from seven colleges and universities, but the primary one they come from is in downtown Chattanooga, and so we want to put a campus right across the street so that it's walkable from the university in downtown, and that's where we're working to right now. All right, so is your Spanish campus, you have your own building, they have their own facility? They do. It's we, they, they met as just a service on our what would be our original campus for a long time. And then we were given, about two years ago, we were given a church that was down to about seven people, and uh, they were meeting in the fellowship hall and renting out their sanctuary to a prosperity gospel church to pay the bills. They came to us and, and asked if we'd be interested in taking over the facility, and so we did. We had to put in a little bit of money to renovate it, and we moved our Spanish congregation over there, and they immediately started growing when we moved them into their own facility. And so we're doing ministry all week long there in Spanish now at that campus. 
And this is all the last two and a half years, Micah, that you started planting the campuses other than the original BX venue? Yes, that's all in the last 24 months. I think that's correct. All right. What kind of venue do you have for your campus in Georgia? It is. Um, so our BX venue is the model for our modern venue here on the Chattanooga campus, our original campus. That's the model for our campuses that we're developing. They look just like this. In fact, we had one of our members whose brother lives near North Georgia who called his brother up and said, hey, if I go to church with you tomorrow, will you go? And about four weeks ago, he said, yeah, and so they attended. He wrote us back. He said, I was blown away. Other than the fact that it's smaller than our modern venue, he said, I felt like it was exactly the same. He said, from the way I was greeted when I walked in the door, the graphics, the music we sang, he said, I felt like I was just in Brainerd. It's just a smaller version. And so it was another example of a church that had split a couple of times and came to us. They rented about 40 people and said, hey, we want to talk to you about becoming part of the Brainerd family. And so we shut it down for about three or four months in the summer. And, you know, that church ceased to be. And we renovated the property repaved the parking lot, some of those things. The building was only 17 years old, so it was in pretty good shape. We just had to do a little bit to it. And then we relaunched as Brainerd, North Georgia. The beauty is, as far as we can tell, we've retained every one of those 40 people who are a part of the original church. That's amazing. Down the road. They all stayed at that campus as a member of Brainerd, North Georgia. And so we sent about 100 people. There were 40 already there. We sent 100 new people. And then we've added about 100 more people since that happened, you know, since we launched. All right, so Micah, before we talk kind of to our listeners about some very practical things, we don't like to talk a lot about numbers on church for the rest of us, but I want them to hear how accessible all of this is. If you could just go us through like a, a good, strong Sunday, but not Easter, how many people would be at Eastridge in Espanol? Uh, at Eastridge, uh, Eastridge is going to be 70, 75 people right. in our Spanish. And then, and then you have 240 or whatever at, in Georgia. That's correct. Then how many, break down the four services you have on your original campus. So our sanctuary venue, we will run about 550. Mm-hmm. Our early uh, modern venue will run about 400. Mm-hmm. Our video in the middle modern service will run about 2 to 250. And then our late service runs 550 to 600. Our final modern service runs 550 to 600. All right. So the reason I want everybody to hear this is like sometimes you, you hear about Micah Freeze, you see him speak everywhere. You know, he's a, he's a published author. And you could think, all this is so inaccessible. It's really not inaccessible. These are the size buildings and churches that many of our listeners could actually have access to. And so I just want to ask you, Micah, maybe you could speak into the, the lives of the pastors that are listening to this. What are some considerations that they ought to be thinking about if they think their church is ready to go multi-site, what would be some things you would say, hey, guys, here's some things you ought to be thinking about? First, I want to say, let me echo what you just said, Jimmy. It is accessible. I mean, our Eastridge venue seats 200 people. Our North Georgia venue seats 250 or 300. So, I mean, these are these are not large facilities. It's also not that expensive. We found that cost per person, the campuses are radically less expensive than our current one. Now, we, we our budgets are very thin at the campuses. I mean, we run really, really thin tight budgets because we want them to be financially viable really quickly. But we launched our North Georgia campus in August, and it's already paying all of its bills and contributing back to the total church budget above and beyond paying its bills. And so first, it's accessible. It's not scary, and it doesn't have to be huge. We don't anticipate our campuses, like I said, most of them being 300 in attendance. So that's not hard. I would say first, though, you've got to know what you're trying to accomplish with multi-site. So we're doing it because our campus is completely landlocked and we think we can grow maybe another 20% on our our original campus and then we are completely stuck. So we had multiple options. Either we sell the whole campus and build a new one, but when we looked at the per you know per square foot dollar cost to do that, it was an unbelievable and I think almost ungodly cost. We just thought there's no way we can justify yeah, it. Yeah, not accessible. Not, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not accessible. 
I mean, not, not to mention, we're, we've been on the street corner for 90 years. That means something to me. And I want to be on the street corner for another 90 years. And so, but at the same time, we want to reach 1% of our metro. And 1% of our metro, that's a pretty significant number. So we began asking the question, reverse engineering, what that 1% number is when we look backwards, how do we get the people into our church? Well, we're going to have to pr- provide other opportunities for them to gather and worship outside of our main venue, our main original space. And so that's what we knew. We knew why we were doing multi-site. We weren't just doing it because everybody else was doing it. We were trying to accomplish this goal of helping 1% of the Chattanooga Metro join us in worship every week. So I would say start there. I would say your leadership is the other thing that's so incredibly significant, the preaching and the worship. If you're not going to do video, you've got to know exactly who's going to be preaching every week. And and they need to be able to be strong. They need to know what they're doing in the pulpit. And your worship person has got to be pretty gifted as well. But those would be the top of my list. I mean, the truth of the matter is, though, Jimmy, we're still figuring so much of this out. We're, We're looking to you guys and others to help us walk through a lot of this. Well, I think that when we think about pastors, my biggest concern is that pastors hear you speak or hear me speak, and they think, those guys have big churches, those guys have big budgets, the things they're doing cannot be done in a regular, you know, kind of a church. And I would just say, if you look at what's happening at Brainerd or at Family Church, it's just not true. And Leslie, you've been through us on a lot of this journey. We have learned to run lean. I mean, you just went to a conference today of a mega church with a gigantic budget. And it's so different from what we're doing. I'd love to hear your just thoughts on that, especially today since you've been at that conference. Well, yeah. I mean, I love hearing what Micah's talking about. And I think that the way they're doing it seems very much like you said, Jimmy, what we're doing here. And that's some of it is economies of scale, Micah, because we are together on so many things that you can save by having that centralized, if you want to call it that. And then, you know, that allows the campuses to run leaner, like you said. So like Jimmy said, I went to a conference today with some of our friends here in the area. They're a big church. We love them. They're so kind and generous to us, but they have 11 full-time video people and we have (laughs) one half video person. And so I always feel like when I walk away from that, I actually, I feel encouraged because I think we do a lot with one half video person. And so it's, you know, it's all relative and you can scale it down and you can make it work um, with the neighborhood church is what we call it. Sounds very similar to what you're doing. We use that exact same language. We call it a collection of neighborhood churches just like you guys do. And that's that's really, we want to just, our ultimate goal is that within a few years, if you're anywhere within ten, anywhere in the Chattanooga region, you'll be within 10 to 15 minutes of a, of a Brainerd campus. Mm-hmm. And so basically it allows you to have a Brainerd pres- a representation in your neighborhood. And Brainerd's name is really, I mean, we've got a great name in the city. And so when we were thinking about even what do we call the campuses, that's why we kept the Brainerd name because it means something. And when we move into a neighborhood and we put up a sign and it says Brainerd, it gives us validity in the in the, in the neighborhood and allows people to you know have interest in what we're trying to do. Well, Mike, I'm so grateful for you sharing with us and uh, sharing your story, sharing about your church and how you guys are doing this at Brainerd and making it all happen. I do want to give you a moment, though, because you have a couple of things going on I want our listeners to be aware of. One, tell us about your podcast over at EST. Yeah, so we I host uh, something called the EST Podcast, the Established Church Podcast. We've been doing this for a couple of years. It's basically established church leaders talking about established church issues. So what are the things you deal with? Everything from how do you select life group or Sunday school leaders to how do you think through the budget? I mean, it's just stuff that those of us who lead established churches deal with all the time. I co-host it with Sam Rayner, who's over in Bradenton, Florida, and Josh King, who's in Conway, Arkansas. We've all been doing this for and uh, I'm now almost 20 years for me. And uh, we'd love for folks to drop by and pay attention to the podcast. Hopefully it's helpful. Yeah, I commend it to you. And then you have a really, really cool book coming out. Talk to our listeners about that. Yeah, it just came out. It's called Is 
Islam in North America. It's um, how to love your Muslim neighbors. I, I just, mm-hmm. my friend Keith Whitfield, who's um, a vice president of the Southeastern Seminary, he and I were talking and we were just deeply concerned that there was a lot of anger and angst toward Muslims in North America and yet not a lot of truth sort of being understood. And so how do we help people to know what's right? And then how do we equip them with some basic tools to help engage their North American Muslim neighbors with the gospel. And uh, that's what we hope the book does. I wrote a chapter, Keith wrote a chapter, he and I edited the book, and then it's got you know folks that you'd, we would know, Ed Stetzer, Bob Roberts wrote in it, Afshin Ziafat. But beyond that, there may be some folks you won't know who are former Muslims who came to Christ and are now you know working around the country. And so I think it's helpful. We're also partnering with the North American Mission Board to host the Islam in North America conference in May that we'll be doing live, and we'll also be following up with... Um, being able to check it out on video in, in just a little bit after the conference is over. You'll be able to kind of get the video as well. So hopefully it's helpful. Micah, thanks so much for being with us today. It means a lot. And I love that you brought up the Southeastern Theolo- Baptist Theological Seminary because it is your alma mater and it is a sponsor for this year's Sharper Conference, which we are hosting here at Family Church in West Palm Beach. I know Micah and his whole team came last year. We loved having them with us. We would love to meet you and your team on March the 7th. Register today at sharperconference.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.